So <clears throat> the theme for the <clears throat> evening talk is uh, appearances and going deeper. It is uh, not unusual for us to be quite quickly and immediately impressed with uh, impressions and quite easily and perhaps unfortunately as well we can be significantly influenced by uh, impressions that they kind of stick to us and that there is an inner activity that's going on with us which reinforces the impression and Upon that uh, impression comes various responses or reactions or whatever. <clears throat> and <clears throat> in the impression which uh, arises, we draw, in this case, something, for example, from our immediate environment. It may be immediate or accumulative. Within us comes a rec recognition a particular feeling and thought or a view which gives confirmation to the impression and the impression can stick or stay. Then we look out at the world again with our eyes and with our ears <clears throat> and lo and behold we keep finding the confirmation of the impression. So the effect of which, the impression gets more substance. And the effect of which, in the moment, it becomes our reality. <clears throat> Hopefully, with a little bit of insight, or a little bit of awareness, or sometimes a little bit change from what's happening around, it will hammer on the impression and loosen it and shaking it up and shake it up, either coming from within or coming from without. Sometimes the impression which arises and our <coughs> infatuation with the appearance uh, of, of things really does affect us noticeably. It really is affecting our capacity to respond or to relate or to act. <coughs> One of the common ones, someone in the small group referred it to it today, and it's definitely not an isolated uh, uh, situation, is that one looks around the hall, looks around the people who are here, <clears throat> and the impression is formed, what a grim lot. <laughs> <clears throat> with the registration of the impression and as one goes from uh, A to B passing people in the, in the hall food queues, uh, meditation hall, etc, uh, etc et this impression uh, registers and one can be quite convinced that the majority of people are Grim, and that of course can be an understatement. <laughs> the effect of the impression 
<clears throat> is hardly inspiring. <laughs> and the effect of it is one joins the grim brigade. <laughs> one feels grim at the sight of all these grim people on the retreat. So then, the outer has impacted on the inner. The inner has drawn the impression. There's a solidification of the two. And each time we see people who are, whatever, not smiling or, or just looking at the ground all the time or uh, getting agitated or whatever it might be, everything seems to conspire to consolidate the image and substantiate it. And of course, with that one hardly realizing it, what one or what we perceive, we also reinforce, we become grim. And that, as I said earlier, easily becomes our reality. Our inner life becoming the mirror image of the, of the outer circumstances. <clears throat> Sometimes, whatever the reasons might be in the appearance of things, we hold to it. Unfortunately for us, in the holding uh, to it, that, and the tragedy, of course, is that stereotyping takes place. And I'm sure with political awarenesses as much as others we have some awareness of all of this. So something has to start uh, shifting uh, uh, inside and possibly some questioning going on to shake up the consolidation of the picture that we have so that our view is, doesn't have the substance that it has and sometimes it might be the loosening up is knowing and sensing and feeling or whatever that there are exceptions to the rule. Therefore, the exceptions begin to deny the rule. But quite often, in fact, it's the loosening up inside of oneself which makes the difference. Rather than uh, uh, knowledge or confirmation or affirmation, in some way or other, in this case, sometimes some teachers will say, yes, of course, there are people who feel grim. And yes, there are people who have a great deal of inner peace and contentment. There are people who absolutely love being here, love the practice, love the Dharma, love the silence, love the uh, teachings, and wouldn't want to be anywhere else on earth at this present time. And therefore, there's genuine uh, happiness uh, flowing on uh, from, from within. And we can say all of these things to try to communicate the diversity and also people who are dealing with difficult situations at the present time on retreat. Serious life-threatening illnesses, um, uh, bereave, bereavement, um, uh, uh, conflict and confusion, sudden un unemployment, uh, uh, loss of a loved one, many, many situations which are going on. And we don't know teachers would know, but others don't know the circumstances of the person who is sitting next to us or the person who is opposite at, uh, at the table. And because we don't have any background knowledge or background understanding which could bring out of us a, a warm and empathetic and deeper feeling uh, towards, we tend, and tragic it is, to rely on the impression. And when we rely on the 
the impression, as we know only too well, how quick and how rapidly the judgments come. You know, a person is very agitated and irritable in the meditation hall, or is speeding up and down, or, or um, is, is, um, um, is eating their last meal as though they're on, the, on death row or something. <laughs> whatever, whatever it might, it might be. And sometimes just one, if we knew, one single sentence of the present circumstances of, say, the person's life would change the whole way of looking and feeling about the person. Because we've been told something which we don't know, and in the knowing, through the listening, what we are told to, oh, if only I knew, if only I understood, if only I had heard. But there isn't that public access to that information. We're not telling you. People are not standing up and uh, uh, relating the first noble truth of their life. Suffering, difficulty, problem, etc. So, impressions, movement of the inner life, image and picture forming, getting consolidated, being reified from one hour to the next, one, one day to the next, believing in that, and we're saying again and again, this is all in the appearance. It's all in the perception. It's all in the mind. And let's shake up that mind. Let's question the generality that we may have, either about the individual or uh, the general terms. It isn't, you know, it isn't easy, obvi obviously. But if we're willing to do that, sometimes we sense, if we go a little deep, deeper, that, and the inner response in going deeper is, it may not stop us from having a generalised perception. Because you and I, we, we, we in countless uh, circumstances, do manifest and do express but lots of things, a generalised view. But can the inner response be, not necessarily verbalised inwardly, but sensed or known, that in the expression of a generalised view about, it's communicated to oneself and hopefully to others well, as well, this is how it appears. That's all. Just the communication from within to oneself and hopefully to others. This is how it appears in this moment. We'll safeguard from the tyranny of the belief of the consolidation of the perception. It's just how it's appearing. At the moment it appears like this is a pretty grim retreat. All right, tomorrow it might not be, or it could be worse. <laughs> but at least there's some provisionality that the movement of the mind has just taken up a picture. Sometimes we don't you know, realise, and this is quite often uh, referred to, that though the general principle of appearance and deeper, that sometimes we're not uh, aware of the memory and the influence of information 
which is being carried from one retreat to another. And the memory says, oh, when I did this retreat with whoever it was previously, he or she or they said this, and the assumption, all too easy, that from the past and the memory and that impression and that appearance carries over into the present. I mean, to take one common example of this, a person says, uh, um, as somebody else said, another group, um, um, nobody, people are not smiling, we're not supposed to look at each other, not supposed to have eye contact. This is a, a, a common one. Now, I don't think so. I don't think Mark nor Shada nor I have, 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 have said this. We, I don't think we ever we, do we? No, we don't, right. <laughs> we don't say it. So some don't think, ah, in another retreat, another uh, teacher, let's uh, right to say, uh, no uh, eye, eye contact. So the, the impression gets carried over into the present moment. One thinks that's how it is here. It isn't how it is here. We're quite happy for people to uh, have eye contact, uh, etc. So sometimes people are walking and someone makes eye contact and one person who's walking thinks, we're not supposed to have eye contact. <laughs> and therefore gives them the stiffest and, you know, looks. So this poor person generating a little bit of warmth and, 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 and <laughs> kindness end up thinking, God, what have I done wrong? <laughs> Obviously this isn't a place for loving kindness. So sometimes, <clears throat> in just the particular of situations like this, it's a story of our life. You know, what is being referred to is you know, relatively minor. But how easily, as I say, in this case, from the past, we carry the view, we carry the impression and the memory, we bring it unskillfully into the present moment and we look through the situation from the past. And then we keep finding, like with the eye contact as one example of what I mean, that it doesn't fit in. And so some people have never heard of not having eye contact before or whatever. So warm eye exchanges are taking place and somebody else is carrying the memory from another retreat, oh, you mustn't have eye contact. What, what, what the hell's going on here? They're not supposed to be doing that. And the view is being formed. And how easily mind and impressions can get caught up in all of this. Impressions with regard to the present, impressions with regard to the past, the consolidation of them, and as I said, it becomes our reality. But it isn't the reality. Therefore, we say, can we listen deeply enough inwardly to know as well and as clearly as we can impressions as impressions? No more, no less. Be un well, barely possible, it might be possible, I've never met anybody, to <coughs> live a life without having impressions. But we can live with enough depth, surely, that we know an impression as an impression. That anything, can anyone, 
in the general and the specific. Actually, just talking to you, talk about impressions, reminds me I, um, um, a little bit because I was reading Shambhala, Shambhala Sun magazine uh, uh, this uh, uh, there. Those of some of us have the privilege of read it, reading while you don't. <coughs> and um, there was an interview um, um, with uh, the uh, actor uh, Richard Gere. And in these circles, some of you know, um, um, his name, in various ways, gets mentioned all too regularly. But the only reason is because he's the only one that anybody knows who has any connection with Buddhism. So name gets mantra like so he was in Dharamsala because he's a student of uh, the, the, the Dalai Lama and a friend of mine I, I, I said to him this is true isn't it it's got to be true because I don't want to tell this there's, there's no, no truth in it he said no no it's true it's true <laughs> so, and the Dalai Lama was giving, uh, uh, giving teachings now those of us who were monks, are monks, uh, or whatever, know very, very well from our own experience in the monkhood that um, certain kind of perceptions and views get established, which um, I put down to monk's mind. You know, it's a certain kind of mindset which is, you know, tends to be rather different from the rest of the species. You know, an example. Um, um, we, you know, we love him to bits as well, that is, the Venerable uh, Thich Han. As someone said to me in a re retreat I was giving, I couldn't make out, why did Thich Nhat Hanh um, appear in one of his books to be so critical of uh, people who drink wine? And he made some critical comments. And, that, and this is the sort of thing, I put it down to monk's mind. And, and we know that Thich Nhat Hanh would have been far more impressed with Jesus if he had converted wine into water. <laughs> but however, we, <laughs> so the, the Dalai Lama was giving, uh, giving uh, teachings, I think uh, probably Gulupa, probably Ram, Ram Rimba, uh, teachings on the graded path to enlightenment and was quoting one of the uh, Rinpoche's from hundreds of years ago, quite, quite, quite seriously. And, and said, and the Dalai Lama said in this public talk in Dharamsala, just two or three months ago, that anybody who has sex in the afternoon will go to hell. <laughs> so, apparently Richard Gere was... <laughs> was sitting in the audience. There. And, well... I don't go to the cinema of, uh, a couple of times I've been this decade, but my memory of him, that he is the, the kind of, what do you call it, original American gigolo, and, 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 and has rather a history of whatever. So I thought, I wonder what he's, you know, I heard this from my friend, I wonder what, wonder what response he had when he heard that. You've had sex in the afternoon, you go to hell. So the thought that arose in my time, I wonder what time's in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
is this from noon till 6 p.m. or whatever, you know? And since the, the Dalai Lama said this with such seriousness, yeah, he'd perhaps send some letters of condolences to Richard Gere because <laughs> etc. So you see, sometimes we say listening, in this case listening to teachings and listening to people that we uh, love and have a tremendous uh, respect for. Sometimes one sentence or whatever can impact on us. It can make an impression. I don't know, Richard Gere may have hopefully let it come in one ear and pass out the other <laughs> and just regard it as just one more eccentric statement from a Tibetan monk. Who <laughs> has hardly had much experience in these things. I mean, we, we, we certainly hope not. <laughs> and so one hears, this is a very important point, one hears, and in the hearing there's just the formation of words passing through the air. No more than that. Tone may be nice and sweet, may be tough or whatever it might be, but there's tone, there's movement, there's a formation of language, and it arrives. It arrives through, through the ears, obviously, and, and down into the being, down into what? Down into the mind. So from the very formation of the language in the listening, impression arises. Sometimes, and we know this only too well, the inner life, for all the circumstances arising inwardly at that time, can move can grasp, can take hold of, and internalize one particular statement. And then the statement becomes a fuel. A fuel for reactivity, a fuel for confusion, a fuel for blame, a fuel for being self-judgmental, a fuel for fear what might happen in the future, a, a fuel for judging the, the, the origin of the voice, the words. And in that, we have given, in the impression, called language, called words passing through the air, we have given that an authority. And even though we may have said, I don't know if you say in this country, certainly in England we used to say, Sticks and stones will break my bones and names will never hurt me. If the kids in the playground used to shout this out at each other. Oh, yes, they do. Sticks and stones will break my bones and names will hurt me. When? The mind moves, it takes a hold of, it grasps hold of, and it clings around. And sometimes we know that in the listening, or whatever it might be, there is, uh, and there's a, a lack of uh, uh, depth uh, with us, what happens is that something goes on, as I say, and we take one thing, we hold on to one thing, and we obscure, we blind out, we cut out everything else. And all that we can remember is that which we've ang got angry against, that which we have reacted to. It's gone deep. But it's gone deep in a very unsatisfactory way. And those who listen to others regularly, no, I'm not only talking about the teachings, and, uh, but in other circumstances as well, will know how easily 
we can take hold of one sentence, deeply internalize it, and keep the mind agitated and wondering and worrying, why did he or she say that? And it can touch a, a, a very um, difficult and vulnerable place inside of us. And thus, we in those times have given something extraordinary authority which the person who said it may not give. May not have for that statement. And thus, therefore, the past has continues to have a hold over the present. A common sort of situation. One is in a relationship with somebody and the person <coughs> expresses <coughs> some doubt about being continuing in the relationship. It's common. The person may have expressed over the time lots of other uh, appreciations, acknowledgements, worked with the struggles and the difficulties and this one line sentence comes out, I don't know what, if I want to continue living with you, or whatever it might be said. And how easily, as I say, the mind grabs it, holds on to it, and even in, and in the heat of the moment, holds on tightly, it fades away, that conversation, but one is still holding later on, and it's being used within to create problems in terms of trust and confidence. And then, and then one even comes out with a line of, well, you once said that. <laughs> so now it's not only become something to cling to, it's become something to beat the other person over the head with. So when we talk about awareness, meditation, moment-to-moment -moment living, going, uh, going uh, deeper, being in the present moment, all those themes, that, and finding a depth with it, Therefore, it includes this attention and awareness to impressions and to holding from the past as a way of viewing the present. And can we know ourselves well enough and clearly enough that when there is a situation where you and I need as appropriate and necessary to refer to the past, which can be difficult with another person, can we know ourselves well and clearly enough that where we're coming from is a deep, clear place inside of us and therefore we are not using the past as a means to cause more suffering in the present. That is an extraordinary challenge to any human being about anybody who lives on this earth. And that obviously and equally includes ourselves. But sometimes the circumstances of life, of our own life, <coughs> rather separately and independently from others, we can turn our attention to the past, grab it, hold it, identify with it, take it up, and then use it as a, as a weapon upon ourselves with all the if-onlys, and all the self-blame that, that goes, it, there's, no, there's no help for clarity nor wisdom. And we believe in it somehow, so much of the belief system here. So if we 
do it upon ourselves, how easily we do it towards others. Dharma practice, Dharma teaching, Dharma focus is the practice and the conviction and the willingness that this stops. One is not going to use the past in an unsatisfactory way to cause anguish and pain in the present. And it, that, that is a, a deep act of kindness, a deep act of awareness uh, in, in life. And sometimes we know it in ourselves. We can, see, we can feel it in ourselves arising. Somebody has said something or done something or failed to say or failed to do or, or whatever it might be. We've grabbed hold of a memory or an impression or whatever. And we can feel the pull of our mind to want to go to memory and to want to pull out things out of the memory box to hurt, to blame, to find fault with. Now, practice in our teachings is being here and now in the deepest sense of it and, and, that, and saying to ourselves, and it's no easy thing to do, saying to ourselves, I'm not going to use memory in that way. No matter what way others use their memory towards myself. Sometimes when we look at the feeling content of all of that, the emotional content of all of that, what is actually happening when we get caught up in that, it's revenge. Sometimes the, the courts are just places, the divorce courts and all the other settlement courts, they're, all, it's, it's, they're places for wreaking revenge. Maybe in a very sophisticated, high polluting kind of high polluting that's the word kind of language uh, uh, for it but underneath the control and the cleverness and the debate etc underneath the emotion which isn't allowed to be expressed can easily be and frequently be revenge so our willingness in our capacity and it is a developing and growing capacity to uh, be steady, to uh, be uh, present, uh, is to, as I said, to look at impressions and to look at the relationship to the past. The deeper we are in our, our being, one of the features of going deeper into our being is that there is less interest and far less willingness to Im uh, impregnate impressions with substance. You know, in Buddhist language, one sees the emptiness of it. And the unwillingness to use the past in, in that way which violates the present. That uh, deepening sometimes means that the practice of equanimity and the practice of staying uh, steady and the practice of keeping an integrity uh, with that is extremely difficult but it's worthwhile because we're trying to be true to some deeper principle. And we may not be understood. Our friends may say you've got a right to get your own back or whatever it, or whatever it might be. 
but we just try to stay steady. And our moment-to-moment encouragement and endorsement, our moment-to-moment practices are hopefully ways to remind us of all, all of this. And so sometimes, as you've reported, when it's sitting, meditation, and in going deeper, and in being more steady in the, in the present, one of the things that that allows is some expressions to arise. And so in the very moment of sitting and, and walking, we can feel a fear come up. We can feel a worry about a problem continuing and getting worse. We can feel uh, an anger and irritability about something that's gone on in, in our life. That reactivity can only continue through thinking about it. It has no chance of continuing without the perpetuation of the thinking. The unpleasant arising that goes on, we go, we go deeper, it generates more space, that means more inner movement, uh, allowed, things can arise more quickly out of it. The unpleasantness that goes with those unwelcome states of mind and experience, yes, they might continue through the day. Not to underestimate the potency of unpleasantness, worry, anxiety, fear, negativity, or whatever, and the way it runs through the being there. And one may have to live through that for X number of hours or whatever uh, it might be. But if one doesn't move into storyline, if one doesn't start thinking about in terms of the support and justification with it, no matter how intense that rush is, it can't last until the thinking starts to fuel it. And it's exactly the same, say, with sadness. Some of you know, you know, from losses and bereavements and, and, and changes which you didn't want and didn't expect, and, you're, and sitting in the meditations, sitting through the day. And some feeling of sadness about what happened comes through. And you can feel it in the cells and feel it in your heart and in your feelings and the, emo- and the emotions. And sometimes it's just a single memory. One didn't expect or intend to remember that incident, that precious moment with that person. And just that short collection of words just touches some place in some inexplicable way and out of it, out of the being comes this rush of sadness uh, over whatever the circumstances were. When that thinking about that memory and then other memories start coming, the sadness gains extra weight. One can begin to feel quite unhappy. One can begin to feel grief and despair. 
So the sadness gains another dimension to it of weight in the heart life. Because we start going over the past. So our practice is being acknowledging and, and receptive in the deep places that may be places of sadness uh, uh, arising in circumstances. Can we acknowledge it, allow ourselves to feel that through there? And just take vigilance that thoughts and memory and storylines don't become the wood on the fire of that sadness. So, from the appearance of things, and in the steadiness, as I said, we allow and give ourselves the opportunity to go deeper, and from going deeper in our steadiness, to feel the steadiness in the moments when we feel steady. And sometimes, as a number of you have pointed, pointed out and have asked questions uh, again uh, during the day, Sometimes the mind, or to human, here as elsewhere in life, wants to make things easier. So, on the meditation cushion, chair, or whatever, the same thing goes along, or to human, with the pleasant. And as somebody said uh, today, Oh, um, they're familiar with um, certain mantras from Hindu tradition and others, of course, from uh, Buddhist tradition, uh, etc. I think one that we refer to, quite used uh, in, in Hindu tradition of Soham. And in that, one says, the thought arises, when I used this in the past, oh, it, was, it was easier, the meditations were easier. But one forgets in this wretched tradition. Unfortunately, it isn't. The tradition is saying we're not here to make it easier. So we say to people, forget your so hums. <laughs> Preferably, do a so what. <laughs> In other words, the mind will easily turn its attention to the old, want to introduce it. And in the, in the introduction uh, of it, one intention to make it easier. And you might be able to say, but why shouldn't I make it easier? I've done my TM meditation for 20 years and I did my mantra there, I did my pranayamas, it's a lot easier than doing this mindfulness of breathing stuff and uh, did my Om Mani Padmi Hung and now, uh, my, now my mantra is on my poor knees and <laughs> so the mind keep looking for what was and we're saying hey, life is not what was it's what is and though there's the understandable natural wish to bring in uh, uh, that, can we, in the fullness of the day, stay steady with what is, with the bareness of what is, trust uh, in that, and know that given the length 
and the fullness of the day, it isn't an easy process, but again, since we are in birth, ageing, pain and death process, one is hardly going to view any of that easy. So therefore, let's attend to it, even if it isn't easy. Even if it isn't easy, nevertheless to attend directly to it. And maybe, despite that it isn't easy, that maybe we'll get enough clarity and enough steadiness, enough awareness and insight in life to deal with life when it isn't easy. If we have no training in this, no practice in this, no understanding of, of this, circumstances of life are going to come and blow us over like nine pins they are. We won't be able to stand up to the first swing of life that goes in our direction. We'll be bowled over by it, inwardly or outer circumstances. So we say, yes, you're right, it isn't easy. Please stay with it in a way that isn't using memory, maximizing uh, the focus in that way, and in that, without tremendous willpower and effort, remember the inquiry this afternoon, and more imp importantly, that the, it's not a matter of going somewhere. More importantly, this is it. This is it. And therefore, the, the willpower that we can get caught up in actually kind of misses this, is it? And therefore, we inwardly, as I say, finally, we just attend to what are impressions, what is the recognition of impressions and appearances. When we recognize it as that, that is coming from a deep place. If we truly recognize it, it is incredibly liberating. It is extraordinarily enlightening. If we know appearances and impressions as that and just as that, then we won't get lost in this world of words traveling between human beings. We won't get lost in this inner world of thoughts traveling to consciousness. We won't get lost in impressions coming from past to present. And we won't get lost in impressions coming to us or impressions on ourselves because we know impressions are impressions. They're not true reality. True reality will be clear because we know impressions as impressions. This is enlightening and liberating and consistently insightful for us. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into the impressions. May all beings see the nature of things. So let's have our couple of quiet minutes together, shall we please?
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.